AJ, I want to take this opportunity to get a little more personal. We we talk kind of big picture constructively about a variety of different topics, but I thought it would be interesting, at least interesting to me, to dig into just a personal question. I mean, you know, if people have been following on our uh, podcast journey the last you know year plus, um, they've they've gotten to know us a little bit and uh, know a little bit about our story. Our, maybe a little bit about our family, a little bit of our education, but you know the year is 2022. If you're if you're listening to it, whatever year you're listening to it, right now we're experiencing 2022. It's April. Um, we're experiencing the sun shining here and in, in uh, where, where we're hanging out, uh, and I feel like we're finally able to take stock mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. all the crazy things that have happened in the last couple of years. Yeah. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, uh, pray, pray, prayer, prayers. I hope that um, we're starting to enter into a new growth, um, revitalizing stage of our of our country and our lives and our world. But I thought it would be just helpful to process out loud, um, AJ, uh, where we are in our faith. I mean, people probably know of us that we're academics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have theological education. We do work with the church. Um, we have families. Um, but from a distance, it can seem like we have these uh, resilient, perfect faith, mm-hmm. and we just yeah. get up and preach, and we always have a sermon ready. Um, people that know us know that we have the same crap in life that everybody else does. But as I think about um, coming back from spring break and looking forward to the summer and being able to do some of the things that we haven't done in a long time, and we've been talking recently about people going back to church now in person, um, I just want to ask you, just personally, um, how's your faith? What, 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 what What's going on inside of you right now? Where are hmm. you at in your Jesus, walk with Jesus and your faith and doubt hmm. journey? Yeah, it's probably pretty good for us to ask that question just about every day, isn't it? How are we doing? How are we doing in our faith journey? How are we doing in in our pursuit of Jesus? Our world, uh, my my family's world, has really been turned upside down in the last six months. Uh, about six months ago, we uh, brought into our home for the first time a foster daughter. Uh, we have a son who's ten, and we now have a foster daughter in our home. And this uh, little girl, uh, who is so so kind and sweet, uh, does come out of a. She, I mean, she just comes out of a, an extraordinarily painful situation, mm. um, of uh, of incredible proportion, mm. and in receiving her into our home, as much of a gift as she is. Um, has created a lot of disruption in our family. Um, I love the idea of caring for orphans, but caring for an orphan is actually really hard. It's very, it's at times very unsettling and at times unfulfilling. It's very challenging. Um, but you know, when you adopt an orphan into your home or you welcome orphan into your home, you, you welcome all the problems that that orphan has in inside of them and you welcome the fullness of that person. You don't get, they don't leave the hard things out. They, they, you, you, you invite the totality of that person into your existence and it affects a family. Mm. It affects relationships. Our poor son, I don't say poor son, but it's, 
he he's faced a lot of challenges as a result of this and he's been such a champ by the way elliot if you're listening to this and you're <laughs> going to bed and you've subscribed to dad's podcast i'm proud of you uh you're doing an awesome job as i'm proud of our daughter as well but you receive in that whole that whole daughter uh that that whole person uh i uh there are things that you often can't see in the bible until you've had the experience. And then all of a sudden the Bible starts popping for you. And I think before this experience, Nije, I didn't really know the, the depth of the new Testament's language around being adopted by God. Hmm. And that, uh, I recognize now that I, uh, am and was a spiritual orphan that was welcomed in by the father. And he chose to take, not only me in, but all of my problems Mm. and that he has received the totality of me. I'm 41 years old. And I've said this in a couple of my classes and I always get funny looks from my students because I think it's assumed at 41, you've sort of ironed out all of your, your, your problems, but I'm 41 and very often the same problems I struggled with when I got saved at 16 are the same things I'm struggling with now. Yeah. I have not transcended um, my humanity. I'm, I'm still wrestling with those same thorns in the side that I had when I met Jesus. And I'm convinced that God, when he adopted me knew he was taking in a project. He was taking in and he was taking in a rescue. Um, and I, I probably can see that now because I know what it's like to take in an orphan. Yeah. So it's been a really hard season. I'm, I'm, I haven't been sleeping. Uh, I haven't, uh, found much rest. I miss getting to have time in a hammock to just talk to God. And there's not a lot of hammocks right now. It's a, it's a very full season, but, but that's okay. And God is, is utilizing, uh, this work in, in a very powerful way, but it's just, it's hard. It's hard. I love Jesus more than I ever have. And I'm more skeptical about myself than I've ever been. And that's a weird place to be. And when I say skeptical about myself, just, I feel like the older I get, the more and more I see my dark side, the more and more I see my motivations, the more and more I see my own um, neuroses and my own false self. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like an onion. Just every, every year you're pour, pull, pulling out a new layer and you're like, oh my gosh, that's down there. Oh my, wow, that's there. <laughs> And God's grace is all the more able to cover those, those, those things. And gosh, I'm so grateful to follow a Jesus that adopts all of us, not just the parts we like. Let me ask, um, you know, it's been, it's been, I'm guessing like a year and three or four months since you published your book after yeah. doubt. Uh-huh. Um, what's it like to publish a book on faith and doubt and to be treated as kind of an expert on it while still yeah. recognizing that you're a work in progress. I mean, there's there's got to be mm. something uh, kind of awkward about that, where mm. people look to you as an expert, mm. and you're invited to speak on this. All, you know, does it ever make you feel like you're unworthy to be the voice of how to get people's faith jump-started? It's, it's a constant imposter syndrome. I'm constantly feeling ill-equipped. I'm constantly feeling like I'm going to be found out. I'm constantly feeling as though um, I've tricked people into 
about listening to me. That's imposter syndrome. I don't think any of us don't have that. You know, any of us don't have that. You know, the book itself, After Doubt, has done very well. Um, it's in the process of getting translated into Swedish, of okay. all things. I'm going to be there this summer uh, to go release the book. I, I, I don't know why Sweden, yeah. um, but... I'll, I'll look for it in Ikea. Yes. I don't know what it will be in... Yeah, right by the meatballs. I, I don't think it's called After Doubt. I think it's called Ufter Duten or okay. something. I don't know what it's called. Okay. Um, but, you know, in terms of, like, its reach, it's done very well. I think... The hardest parts for me have been um, watching the conversation uh, in the church about deconstruction get so politicized and mm. I- ideologized, I guess would be the right word, to now I fear the word doesn't even mean anything anymore. Yeah. It's not even, it doesn't have coherence. Everybody means something entirely different by it. Mm. So I do, I do think the book came at a really important time. And I also feel that the conversation has become so darn corrupted that it almost is useless now. Not the book, but the, even the conversation around deconstruction. But man, Niji, to get emails from people, I had a, a one-hour Zoom call last week with a young woman who uh, had been raised in the church. She walked away from the church and her faith in college. And after a series of horrific personal tragedies, began to seek God again. And she picked up the book and she is in full on reconstruction coming back to Jesus mode. And the joy on her face to see her talk about returning to her first love. It's like, it's like, it's like the joy of seeing a new baby. Yeah. Those moments are so life giving. Um, they are quickly, they are quickly, uh, uh, clouded over by the one-star reviews in which I'm called many things. But that's a normal part of publishing, and we all get that. Yeah. Yeah. Nije, how's your faith? You you, 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 and I have been through a lot in the last year. Mm-hmm. It's been a wild year. A wild year. In fact, we're coming up on a year from uh, what was one of the most challenging seasons in both of our lives. Yeah. Um, as, as you look at your the terrain of your spiritual life right now, what does faith look like for you? How are you following Jesus today? Yeah, you know, AJ, we're very similar personalities. Um, if you're an Enneagram person, we're you know we're threes, and so we um, we want things to look perfect. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and I think I lived for a long time. You know, I think about what my faith was like in my early years, and um, you know, I, I I was on a road of um, achievement and success. I did well in school and. Um, you know, I, I have a, a beautiful and, and, and intelligent wife and great kids. And, you know, th- th- there's this beautiful, uh, you know, graph chart of, of ascendancy and um, promotion and all of that. Life's had ups and downs, but, um, you know, I, I, I used to equate blessing and success mm. with strong faith. Mm. You know, that I'm on the right track because everything's going well. So I think of the way I used to look at faith was it's like it's like this um framed framed picture you put on the wall. Mm. You know, it's just okay, it's there and everything looks perfect and it's nice. <laughs> um I think a combination of things of you know, life circumstances, the pandemic and um, you know, just some work stuff. Um I think a little bit differently about faith. And the analogy I came up with in my head just just a few minutes ago um, 
while I wasn't listening to you talk. No, I'm just kidding. I was. <laughs> but the analogy I came up with is like, imagine that like God is this massive sea vessel mm. and you're this little tiny boat and you're tied to his boat. And, you know, waters are crazy and all of that. So your boat, you're tied to his moving forward, but you're just getting thrown around. <clears throat> Thrashed. 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 <laughs> and, you know, I feel like my faith is like that in the sense that I'm no longer naive to the complexities mm. of life. Um, but instead of trying to get my boat steady all the time, I see my role as making sure that rope is as strong as it can possibly mm, be. Mm, yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I used to try to manage everything and try to maintain everything is perfect. You and I have the same spiritual director. We've mentioned it many times. He's one of the most important people in my life right now. And he's helped me realize that trying to keep the boat from rocking is actually not helping my faith mm, mm. and just accepting the reality of the thrashing yeah. And focusing on just that rope uh, is 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 the lifeline, literally. Um, in terms of, you know, that's my abstract metaphor. In terms of tangible, um, I think things change when you have kids. You've talked about, you know, your family. But I think things change when you have kids, especially when they get into that middle school, late elementary school, middle school, high school time of life. Hmm. Because um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And so I wasn't formed by my parents in that way. My parents are awesome, but I wasn't formed by my parents in that way. And I'm now experiencing this where I'm the Christian parent trying to form and, and pray for my kids and, and see their faith journey uh, towards walking with Jesus. And I think one of the reasons I haven't deconstructed or, or lost my faith to, you know, deconstruct to the point of losing my faith is because I want my kids to experience the profound redemption of the gospel that I experienced as a 16-year-old. Hmm. Um, I mean, my life changed in ways that you would only have to see to believe hmm. when Jesus found me as wow. a teenager. And um, I can complain about the church and Christian scholars and religious scholars and all – I can complain all day about all that stuff. But I think about them and I think about what they're learning about how to navigate their lives and friendships and school and sports and the future and, you know, climate change and uh, politics – and I just think the gospel, the gospel brought so much light and good news and love into my life. Mm. I want that to be. I want that to be a powerful resource for them. So where I'm at, my faith is, I'm in a place of, of vulnerability and honesty in my life, but also hope. And I think a lot of that hope is because I want them to see the ongoing appreciation and gratitude I have for what how God has made yes. me a yes. better person. Yes. Yes. So I, I I'm kind of in this stage where I am I am I am raw because of all the all the challenging things that have happened. But but I still hold on and cling to that hope. Yeah. Because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. Nijay, look at look back at you ten years ago and and the Nijay that you knew ten years ago. 
And what is one thing you know now about Jesus? Not intellectually, but you you just you've learned by following Jesus. What's one thing you know now that you were oblivious to ten years ago? One thing I know now, um, I mean, we used to play a game in youth group uh, in in uh, and in college called "Bigger is Better." Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think what I know now is. Um, you know, bigger is not better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of the stuff that I took as, you know, again, what I assumed was was God's blessing mm. on my life were things I was baptizing yes. in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I think I was trying so hard to put myself in a position to protect myself from harm mm-hmm. and suffering and difficulty, which, you know, it you know, hypocrite growth do no harm, right? We want we want no harm to happen. And yet, um, the meandering and, and sometimes backwards way my life has worked mm-hmm. has helped me see that that God God is working in me, especially uh, when I'm turning my back on on greatness. Mm. Um, what about you? What 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 what, no, how, what do you feel like you're learning in this in this season as you look back on your life? Yeah, it's been a big shift for me um, in the last ten years, and it does coincide. Uh, this shift has coincided with my commitment to spiritual direction and just getting into my story and hearing, uh, hearing, getting to be with somebody who can help reflect with me on my life. I think uh, I heard Bob Goff once say, uh, we often as Christians, we run away from the very people that Jesus is running to. And I don't usually do that with people. I've done it with myself. I have, I think 10 years ago, I was spending a lot of energy running away from myself Mm. to not have to look deep into my family of origin, to not have to ask deep questions about my addictions, about my, the things that made me tick, my motivations, the things that got me up in the morning. I ran away from that all in the name of ministry, all in the name of greatness, all in the name of building a big organization and a church and being well-known and loved and respected. And so I ran away from all those things, thinking those things were distractions towards doing the big good thing. And I would say that was 10 years ago. And now I can see that running away from myself and ignoring myself uh, really is, is not the way of Jesus and that Jesus uh, yeah, we're called to um, uh, to lose ourselves uh, by following Jesus. But that does not mean we don't do the hard work of getting to know ourselves. I, I think what I'm trying to say here is I think 10 years ago I would have said, why do I need to do the hard work of going into my story if I know Jesus is coming back and I can do ministry in his behalf? And now I see the work of God is actually being willing to, in the words of Frederick you know, Beekner, listen to your life. Yeah. And that Jesus wants to listen to my life. He mm-hmm. wants to hear my story. He wants to get into the nitty gritty of why I am the way I am and that he's not ashamed of me, that he really actually enjoys me um, and, and wants to, wants to be with me. So I'm not running away from myself the way that I used to. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We're always growing and learning. Yeah. I got one more question for you though. Um, you're a Bible theology guy. You're a nerd really. <laughs> Nijay, what is one question right now 
that you're losing sleep over? What is one question that you're losing sleep over? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. So I'm reading a book, uh, you know, pre-publication, but I'm reading a book by a scholar named Amy Peeler who teaches at Wheaton. Yes. Fantastic scholar. And she has a book coming out called God is Not Male. <laughs> um, and she's trying to combat the kind of masculine Christianity, uh, different camps and groups. And we all know God is not a male in the sense that God doesn't have sexual biology. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, but it does raise bigger questions about expressions in the Bible like God is Father. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus says son, which are uh, sexualized expressions. Yep. And I'm not going to give away the book, Amy. We, I respect uh, the the uh, importance of allowing you to tell tell your book and your story and your time. But um, this goes back to a comment, you know, a question that we've been raising throughout uh, our podcast and recently in one of our episodes on trusting the way God has revealed Himself in Scripture. Yeah, right. But if people have experienced trauma related to men, trauma related to their fathers. Um, you know, is it a non-negotiable to mm, refer to mm, God as Father? Mm. Uh, I, I I wrote a book a handful of years ago on the Lord's Prayer. I dug into this, but this is a question that students repeatedly ask: yep. is is it a necessity to retain the masculine language yeah, right, uh, of the right. Bible? And um, one of the conclusions I came to in my Lord's Prayer book is it, we're not talking generically about fathers and sons. We're entering into the person of Jesus mm-hmm. and talking about his relationship with his heavenly father. Yeah. Um, but it does keep me up at night. Yes. These questions about patriarchy and the language of father and 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 the male the male pronouns that you know should we use male pronouns for god should we not use them i don't know do you, do, do your students bring this up oh oh uh, they don't bring it up but i bring it up for them <laughs> yeah um i like uh madeline lingle in her book walking on water she says she's just sort of so angry that we're even having this conversation because she says that, uh, you know, what else are we supposed to do? Call God the great it, you know, um, what she says would be committing the sin of calling God a vague androidism, right? It's basically Mm -hmm. speaking of God as a robot or something like that. Um, but no, it's an absolutely fundamental question, especially for, um, students and young people who've been raised in environments where that gender specific language was used in an ideological sense to put women in their place. It's very important. It's a very important conversation. Okay. This is what I'm, I'm losing sleep over. Are yeah. You ready? Tell me. Okay. Uh, uh, Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> actual, Bigfoot. actual, no, the Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I have a student. So my son and I are, we are avid Bigfoot hunters. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for Bigfoot everywhere we go. He, we are totally convinced that in fact, we both heard something once that we think may, may be Bigfoot. I have a student who I shared that in one of my classes that we had gone last spring break and thought we heard a Bigfoot. And I had a student who came up to me after class. He was trembling. He was terrified to share with me a photo on his, on his phone. This student never talks. He's not a liar, super quiet kid. And he goes, I have a photo to show you. And he pulls out his phone and he was out camping with his, with family and friends a couple years ago and across this meadow, uh, 
was Bigfoot. He took a picture of it. It is legit. He swears, he swears to me. He saw it with his own eyes. It was terrifying and it smelled weird. Okay. And I really want to believe in Bigfoot, but I don't know how to make sense of it theologically. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm losing sleep. There was a while there I was losing sleep. I was like laying up where in the text can I find this? Yeah. I mean, it could be a sort of Leviathan behemoth sort of language, you know, old Testament stuff. Um, but I think, I think where I'm landing here is that creation is way more mysterious than our Western enlightenment, dualistic spirit matter worldview allows. I think, I think there's, I just, I'm convinced there's more, and we're still discovering species under the ocean, down at the bottom of the ocean, yeah. we didn't even know existed. Um, why not believe that there are still species of land creatures that we have yet to discover? Um, I mean, and if true, it just makes me so happy that Harry and the Hendersons was less a movie than a biography. You know, it was a, <laughs> it was a, uh, there's possibility, you know? Well, you know, my, my kids recently asked me, you know, at the dinner table, you know, if aliens do exist and, uh-huh. and, you know, we encounter them or discover them, does that disprove the Bible? Yeah. And honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know no. if it does or not. Yeah. I don't think it disproves the Bible. I'm totally, I think aliens, for God so loved the cosmos, I think he loved the whole world, the whole universe. He loves the whole kit and caboodle. And I am, I am, uh, I think, I think alien. Who is it? Ray Bradbury, the sci fi writer, who said, yeah. what's more scary? The idea that there is another, uh, life form out there or there's not and we're all alone both are absolutely terrifying yeah there's no two other options either there's something or there's nothing and we're all alone and i gotta believe there's something out there we have a creator god who loves creating stuff Nija, i love talking with you <laughs> and i'm glad you're still following jesus brother we could do this all day yeah. yep you all too right, grace and peace